Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you by Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest, Hepburn and McDonald. Creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Kingsley rolls to the boys, back to Kingsley. Carlson towards no, the lovely no, effort. No, 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 Kingsley magic! Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. I am Laurie Dunsire, joined once again by Mark Donaldson. Now, I've used Konnichiwa as mm. a greeting already, so I can't reuse that. So maybe this week I can just say, why I, man? <laughs> oh, 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 for our guest. That's fair. I thought you were going to kind of go in all Bristolian on us for one of our new signings, James Hill from Bristol, where he was born. But uh, yeah, that's kind of West Country down there. So uh, why I, man? I watched, I watched Biker Grove as a kid. I don't know if there was a... Yes, show set in Bristol. Do, do you know it. the lyrics to the Blade and Races? Do they what now? Oh, come Are you on. This guy? <laughs> oh, let's welcome him in. He's desperate to he's desperate to get involved here. Keith Downey of Sky Sports News, a heart supporter. Welcome, and do you know the words to Blade and Races? Um, yeah, guys, thanks for having me. I know a few of the words and I hear it on repeat uh, every week, so I should know a little bit better. But the song that's kind of playing through my head right now is uh, Big Dan Byrne from Blythe, which uh, I was hearing at <laughs> St. James's Park nonstop last night. And I have to say, woke up in my head. And then I was having to talk about him on screen all day today again in Sky Sports News. So that is the one that's in my head at the moment. I do know some of the words for um, from the Scotswood Road song, but I we'll, certainly will not be doing it on here. <laughs> I have to say, the obvious headline for last night with Dan Byrne was Local Hero and Mark Knopfler, which is a song that's played and mm-hmm. has been played at St. James's Park for, for many years. And mm-hmm. yeah, and, and obviously, look, we, we actually, we asked if you would come on before, hopefully we, we sign the young Australian kid, Garan Kual. Um, but it just so happens that now that you're on, you could uh, not only talk about hearts and your life at Sky Sports News and your career, but you can give us some info down the road on this podcast about uh, a young Aussie that you've probably seen as much of as we have because yeah. he's, he's not even kicked a ball for Newcastle. Yeah, yeah, well, really. I'll, tell you, yeah I'll tell you what I've seen. I've seen a couple of games where he came on as a sub in the World Cup, a couple of videos on YouTube, and then when I was up at the tra- <laughs> Newcastle training ground on uh, Friday there for the press conference, I had to go into the indoor barn to do a live, and he was doing the bleep test. So uh, welcome welcome to British football, Garang. Bleep test at Newcastle, and then obviously travelled up to Edinburgh on Monday to to essentially agree the move. Um, look, what I know it's not, it's not through yet. Yeah, it's not through yet, but I'm, I'm told it's the um, the basically the paperwork regarding the um, work permit. So I, there's a hope that it's going to be done in time so that he could be involved in in some way on Friday. But with these things, you just you just don't know. I've mm. seen I've seen 
Alexander Isak signed for Newcastle at the start of the season and they thought it was done and he ended up travelling in the hope that it would go, he would pass through in time and it didn't and he had ended up sitting watching it in the stand. So, you know, there is a concern that that might be the case, but listen, he looks at the bits and pieces I've seen and from listening to people within at Newcastle, he looks and sounds as though he's going to be a real talent moving forward. And by the way, Hearts have beaten a lot of competition to get his signature. So, you know, pat on the back to to, to Robbie and Joe and everyone involved there because they've done, they've done very well to get him in. There was all sorts of clubs knocking at Newcastle's door to try and bring him in on loan. Is it true? We will the, get to. We re- will get oh, to. No, hold on. I know. You're going to try and do what you know. I'm not. There's one question I want answered. Is it true that Hearts beat all these clubs to his signature because Cami Devlin promised him the top bunk? And Cammy said he would go down. Is that true? Yeah. Listen, listen, he's obviously, that's obviously played a big part in his decision. A young lad, 18 years old, he's come all the way over from Australia. You know, he's he's arrived, he's arrived in on Geordie Shore, not knowing what's hit him. Geordie Shore. Jumped on the train for an hour and 25 minutes. And then (sighs) next minute he's pictured pictured at Greyfriars Bobby. And he's thinking, what has happened here? But yeah, (laughs) listen, I think the home comforts of uh, the Aussies in the the Hearts dressing room will have swayed his decision. And also, also, Eddie Howe went on record as to say he wants him to go somewhere where they've got a good coach. So... You know, feathering the cap there for Robbie Nielsen, that's how he's viewed down here and that's where the decision was made for, for, for him to go. So, listen, I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm excited to see him in a Hearts jersey. I was, I was really looking forward to see him in a Newcastle jersey, but to see him ripping it up in Scotland is, is something that I'm certainly looking forward to. We've annoyed Laurie because so, we've so, immediately because, gone off script. Yeah, and well, because both you and Mr McGowan moan at me because when i say you're going ahead you're you're oh but you don't give me agenda an agenda so i've sent out an agenda for this one and garan yeah. kual is further it down have, on it yeah, it, doesn't have numbers. About it doesn't have numbers it's got it's got potential order introductions St. Mirren one hearts one garan kual another new signing it doesn't this, have numbers beside them this episode's this already in dire job. straits Laurie, oh, it's just that oh. Laurie, it's the it's the the journalist and Mark Donaldson straight to the story. Never mind any of the other nonsense. Exactly. Let's let's know yeah. what's happening with the new signing. But we want people to listen to the next fifty-seven minutes or whatever he's, the podcast. He's got a lot more still to come, so don't go away. Okay, okay. Right back. Fine, right. Um, yes, we are joined. We're delighted to be joined by Sky Sports Keith Downey, also a Hearts fan. Although he seems to be, he's gone native. These days, who should we say down um, down Tyneside way? Uh, we'll chat about, of course, Garan Cool. We'll get to that and maybe some other transfer news around Hearts just now. Very busy period in the January, January window. We are going to speak about the St Mirren Hearts double header. The first leg has already happened. The second leg coming up on Friday. And anything else that might come up. And it probably will over the next 60 minutes or so. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, we are joined by Keith Downey this week from Sky Sports, a Hearts fan. Uh, I guess first up, Keith, uh, a few Hearts fans will probably be aware of you from social media, from seeing you on Sky Sports News, reporting, of course, on the teams in the North East, in particular Newcastle United, with everything that's going on down there at the moment. So how, do, how does a Hearts fan end up um, on Sky Sports covering the North East of England then? 
Yeah, um, yeah, Laurie, good, good question, actually. Uh, I've been down here for nine and a half years now. Um, I mean, I don't know where my life's going, but um, myself and myself <laughs> not, and Mark... Not going anywhere soon by the sounds of it. <laughs> no. Do you know what, though? It, it does feel like home now. I mean, it's, it sounds bad, but even when I get the train back up to Edinburgh and I get off and, you know, you see how beautiful the, the city is when you get back up there... I always kind of now feel like I'm visiting, which is bad because it is home. It was where I was brought up, etc. But I've been down here that long now, and obviously I've got a setup down here that it does feel like feel like home in the northeast. I think for me as well, the fact that you know I've got Premier League football down here, in Newcastle are going places. It's a great story at the moment, but I know that if anything went wrong or if I wanted to be back home, I can jump in the car within two hours and I'm back in the capital or on the train an hour and a half and I'm back. So I'm as close as can be. I don't have to like. I mean, if, if Mark wants to come home, I guess he has to plan it for, for, for weeks in advance. So that, so there's none of that. But in, in terms of um, how I got down here, um, do you know what? I started out um, after uni doing some bits and pieces for Mark at, at Radio Forth, actually, doing um, doing a couple of games. In fact, Mark, I don't know if you remember this, but um, one of the first yeah. ever things uh, I did on air, just a practice at Radio Forth, and you asked me to go in and read the the, the sports headlines or the news headlines. And uh, and I went in to do a little practice, and you you tore me a new one. I came out and you said, uh, you sounded like you were reading a bedtime story to a child. You need to improve. And I thought, oh, God, I really do. So that, do, do you remember that, do you? Well, the way, I the way I was is I wanted everyone who came in who actually showed something that I thought had a chance to, <laughs> to be the best of themselves. So the way I thought I would have been was, <laughs> yes, there was criticism, but it would have been constructive, I hope, and say, okay, it was shit. However, this yeah. is how you should do this, or this is how you can be better. So hopefully there was constructive yeah. criticism. Well, listen, it hit home. It hit home. And I, to be honest with you, I'd completely forgotten about it until I'm staring at your name right now. And it just kind of brought back the, the bad memory. Anyway, well, that was that. Yourself, kid. that was that. And then uh, and then I ended up doing some bits and pieces for Mark, doing some games, like some some Livy and Dunfermline games, like inserts into uh, the, the sports program and radio. Scoreboard, yep. Yeah, which was good fun. And then and then you moved me on to Hibs. You basically just gave me everyone apart from Hearts. Like it was like you were just trying to piss me off from an mine. That's mine. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was very much like that. My my baby. Anyway, so I did piece, I did little bits and pieces of that. And then I I also um I also used to do write matches for the uh, write reports, football reports for the Scottish Sun, like just going to every outpost, whether it be Gretna or Stranraer or Montrose. Every week I was at a different game. But do you know what? It was a really good grounding, speaking to managers at lower levels and just kind of like knocking on the dressing room door and trying to get a word of players, just building your confidence up. So did that. And then um, did a couple of uh, newspaper jobs, like news jobs when I first graduated from journalism. And then my first big break, really, and I probably don't know if it's the right, um, platform to be saying this, but my first big break in TV was actually with Rangers TV. I got a job um, when Rangers TV were under Satanta, and uh, I did that for for three years. And listen, Rangers at that stage got to the uh, they got to the UEFA Cup final under Walter Smith, and it just you know I got real taste for like the European side and traveling and just you know seeing things up close and thoroughly enjoyed it. But obviously Satanta went bust. We lost our jobs and um, Raman Bardwaj from STV took me on at STV and I did, I did uh, three years there. And when I was there, Rangers went into administration and then liquidation. I was heavily involved in that story. And I think that kind of maybe alerted Sky a little bit. So I was kind of made aware that this job in the Northeast to cover Newcastle and Sunderland, who were in the Premier League at the time, was, was available. 
Um, and obviously Middlesbrough, to a lesser extent, they were in the championship and I applied for it and got it. So um, that was that was September 2013. Um, and as I say, I've been down here. I've been down here since. And it's been largely a difficult time because Newcastle are the, are the main club. Um, of the three, just due to the fact they've been in the Premier League the longest of, of, of the three. Middlesbrough were there for one season and Sunderland were there for the first maybe three, I think. Um, but obviously under Mike Ashley, it's been a really torturous time. It's just been very, very depressing to cover. And it, it got to the stage where I thought, look, I'm going to have to move on here. But the takeover happened 15 months ago now. And I have to say it's completely changed now. And it's uh, it's really fun covering the club because... You know, I everyone knows they're going places. You can, you can kind of feel the excitement, the sense of anticipation in the city that there's good times around the corner. And you know, people come up to me in the street and they say, they say things like, "Thank you so much. Thanks for everything you've done for the club." Thank, and I said, "That thank you. What do you mean by thank you?" And they say, "Well, we just want to take." But I'm like, you know, I didn't buy the club, and they say, "Yeah, no, but you reported on it. You were on air breaking the news and." You know, they kind of see you as part of the story, if you like. You know, they and they'll come up to you and say things like, oh, my life's worth living now. It hasn't been for the last 14 years under Mike Ashley. And it makes you realise just how big a, you know, part of yeah. their, their life is, is football. And obviously that's the case in Scotland as well. Um, it's very much the case down here. And, you know, the game last night, the atmosphere at the at Newcastle-Mister yeah. game was just was just off the scale. And I have to say, it's a nice place to be at the moment. It's a nice place to to cover football. And it, and it feels as though, you know, I've got a kind of bit of life back in my career because it was getting a bit, it was getting a bit sort of, um, I don't know, I was just getting a bit bogged down with it after a little while. So so it's all looking good at the moment. But that, that's why I'm here. I've been here nine years, but obviously my heart's still at Tynecastle in terms of supporting a club. What we haven't told you, we have a sports script. I want you to read it to see if you're any better than you were. I'm kidding. Is it the same one? I'm glad you um, and I'm really pleased that of your success. Um, Laurie, you'll know a lot of the kind of younger generation coming through that I sadly don't know in the Scottish media, the boys and girls that have done well for themselves. But back in the day, Keith coming through, Luke Shanley, who's another one, um, you have to have enthusiasm. And if you've got enthusiasm, you've got a willingness to to want to do better and to, and to learn um, and a hunger. A lot of people came in and just thought they should be the next CEO of a company. It doesn't mm -hmm. work like that. And you've heard Keith's story. Laurie, you've probably got a similar story as well. Um, it doesn't just happen. You've got to make it happen. And you have a choice when you've got adversity. Do you know what, what do I do? Do I sit here? Or and it's like being a football fan, we're hearts. We're always going to be hearts. That it goes high, it goes low. That that's what it is. Your career's different. But when the going gets tough, it's about what you do. So I'm delighted that Keith is is, is a great success now. My my story is rather more rather more simple, <laughs> given hearts for administration. <laughs> Message Paul Kiddy. You've not got a commentary right now. I'll give that a bash. Are you free on Saturday? Aye. Okay, there you go. Ten years okay. later, I'm still Doesn't doing matter. it. You get paid now. I know you've mentioned uh, Garan Kuhl already, and we expect that the transfer will be confirmed very shortly, possibly by the time you're listening to this podcast. Um, but how good is he? Is this an 18-year-old? Uh, Australian, three international caps now, but less than 30 senior games to his name uh, so far. He's obviously been well talked about even before hearts were in the mix for him i'm sure quite a few fans would have known who he was um 
how good is he or how potentially good is he and, and how has this move come about to Hearts? And as you mentioned, you mentioned other clubs were interested. Um, who else was in there and how have Hearts managed to get ahead of them to to sign this uh, wonder kid if we're going to use a football manager phrase? Yeah, I mean, there were there were a lot of clubs in, uh, in League One in England, a few in the Championship. There were teams in Portugal and Germany as well. And uh, both Newcastle and the player himself have, have chosen Hearts. Um, I think one, because they think it will toughen him up. I think two, because it's quite close to home. You know, he's moved across the world from Australia, um, yeah. 18 years old, never been over here before. And, you know, he can just hop on the train and be up and down the road. And I think three, because he's got he's got international teammates in that squad. As as Mark said earlier, you know, you would be surprised if he's going to stay with, stay with one of them. You know, one of them will probably put him up. You know, it, it, it'll be a real kind of, It'll be an easy settling in period, you, you would think. Yeah. Um. And what what Eddie Howe said is he wanted to go, him to go somewhere with a good coach. So they've obviously pinpointed Robbie and his and his backroom team, uh, backroom team is good coaching staff. And I just think he's close enough for them to keep an eye on. Um. I, I felt that from just speaking to people in Newcastle, they thought it would have been too big a risk to bring him in, and then within two weeks send him out to Portugal. You know, just someone like, you know, him kicking around Portugal or Germany and a totally new, they want to get him used to his British surrounds, British football. And they see Hearts and, you know, Hearts are a, a well-run club. They've got great training facilities. Everything there is set up for him to improve. And um, it's it's pretty amazing because, you know, if, if when he came over, I was aware of some of the clubs that were interested in the championship. And if someone had told me at that point he would have chosen Hearts, I would I would never have believed you. So you know, Hearts have got the opportunity to have a real have a real sort of talent on their on their hands and make the most of it. I think the biggest question mark is how long it takes for him to settle. I can come on here and say he's going to do this, he's going to do that. We don't know. We don't know until until he takes to the field. But listen, he's a confident lad, a very confident lad. He is absolutely rapid. He, you saw, I don't know if you've seen the clips of him up against Barcelona and that game he played and he was just like running past players like they weren't there. They were sniffing around looking at him as well. Newcastle have fought off a lot of competition to actually sign the guy permanently. So um, it'll be interesting to see how he gets on. I think it's just, I'm not sure if it's a loan to the end of the season or if there's another year after. I mean, it'll be difficult for him to make a big impact between now and the end of the season. But if Hearts can keep him a little bit longer, I think the idea for Newcastle is to give him 18 months out on loan. Now, whether that's six months at Hearts and another year elsewhere or 18 months at Hearts, eh, we'll wait and see. But, you know, my information is that it's done, it's agreed, he's essentially there and they're just waiting on the the ratification from the you know the paperwork and the, the work permit and the hope is that he'll be involved in some capacity against St Mirren at the weekend you would imagine as a as a substitute mark another signing that has been confirmed at the time of recording is uh, Yutaro Oda a 21 mm. year old uh, Japanese attacking player three and a half year contract uh, a six figure development team to Vissel Kobe, uh, his team over in the J League um, 60 appearances in the J League form although more than half of them as a sub and Robbie Nielsen has spoken about him as having a potential chance to to play on Friday against Simberin. One that not so much known about but a bit of a project for Hearts and just shows that they are exploring these other markets yeah, because there's there's bargains to be had. We've done well in the Australian market. We're looking in the Japanese market, and we're also looking in the South American market. I remember many many years ago um, when Keith was obviously doing what he was doing back up in Scotland. Like myself, Alex McLeish went to Ecuador to sign Ulysses de la Cruz, and whatever you thought of him, he ended up going to Villa. 
um, for a couple of million and they made a profit. So Alec McLeish basically identified an area um, that not many others had kind of gone to. Hearts have identified Australia. Celtic identified Japan. Hearts have, have obviously gone there as well. So the emerging markets or markets that... Because Keith will tell us, there's no, there's no bargains whatsoever. You have to... They're inflated prices. And even League One. I mean, there's players in League One that earn a lot more than than some of the guys that are on at heart. So we've got to look in, in these markets. And and I think the biggest thing here um, is is to kind of just say to Hearts fans, just calm down with the the kind of not the excitement, because it's the, the this is great um with regards to Oda, but just calm down with expecting them to to kind of start, make the impact that that others have, have kind of come in and done well. He might he'll probably be involved more as a sub, um, and then we'll see how he does. He's a project, and and, and Garen Cool's another one, which I don't think you can guarantee any team are going to play him every week. If he's fit, he starts. Clubs want that from a low knee. The problem is, if the guy isn't hitting the ground running, I mean, Keith mentioned he's come from Australia, um, he's got an African background, uh, and now he's he's been asked to play somewhere else. You hope he settles, but it's just patience. Hopefully, they can both hit the ground running. But just call Canny a little bit with expectations, especially for Utaro Oda. It feels, guys, it feels um, that hearts are like from the outside looking in. Um, you guys will tell, you know, no more than me, but it feels as though hearts are, feels like they're making a real push in January. Now, obviously, there's been, oh, I mean, the injury the, the injury crisis has been ridiculous. And many players who've, who have had suffered long term injuries this season, but it feels, you know, and I'm sure we'll get on to the, the other guys soon, but it feels as though they're having a real go in January. Is that is that with a view, do you think, to next season pushing yes. pushing the old yeah. firm? Or uh, because well, I think Keith, I think it's with a view to getting back into Europe. And this year they made a five they made five million pounds um profit from that. Well, there was a couple of million had to be spent. So they probably made a three million profit, but the couple of million that had to be spent is a one-off payment uh, and improvements to Tynecastle. So it's going to be a, a clear five million um, next year if they get back in and finish third, assuming there's a couple of wins in there. It could be a lot more. And it's a kind of speculate to accumulate. And what that does, if you, if you continually add five million, five million, five million, then not only are you hopefully going to get yourself further away from the chasing pack, but yeah. hopefully you're going to get a little bit closer to Rangers and Celtic. Yeah, I mean, but you look at the squad now with the new guys coming in and, you know, you've got long-term injuries to the likes of, you know, Liam Boyce, Benny, um, Stephen Kingsley, now, now Craig Gordon. I think Halkett's been out for quite a bit as well. I mean, you put them in, added to the new signings and Hearts look far away, far and away stronger than the rest. Yeah. That's the main thing at the moment, I think, is trying to yeah, close the gap in the two ahead, but it's to really establish ourselves as the as the third team. And as Mark says, that the more consistently you're finishing there, the more strength you have to put distance between yourself and the chase and pack. Um, yeah, you, we mentioned other players. So James Hill is the other sign that has been confirmed. So this is a loan deal from Bournemouth. Um, he cost Bournemouth £1 million from Fleetwood Town just a couple of seasons ago. He's only 21, and although he's only played four times for Bournemouth, um, one of those being a league game in the Championship last season. He played 53 times for Fleetwood Town before that, so plenty of games racked up. Um, do you know much of, of this young defender? Yeah, I do, actually. Um, I think the only reason he's not played is, so obviously Bournemouth signed him last January from Fleetwood with a view to 
to, to playing him. But I think the, the worst thing that happened is they got promoted to the Prem and I think they just felt he wasn't ready to play in the in the Premier League. And I think if Bournemouth had stayed in the Championship, he probably would have played this season. But he's obviously not been involved and I think they thought it was too big a step up to go from League One straight up to the, the Premier League. I sent Mark a, a video before we came on there of uh, some of his tackles. By the way, he's a beast. He loves a tackle. He'll just, he'll literally run through a brick wall. And I read a piece from Robbie Nielsen um, not so long ago saying that was one of the reasons that it attracted him to Cammy Devlin when he when he met him. He said that, you know, I just love getting stuck into people. I love kicking people. And I think he said, right, that'll do for me. Well, <laughs> I'm not saying I'm not saying James Hill just likes to kick people because he's he's quick and he's good in the ball as well. But wait, but wait till you see how physical he is. Very physical. His dad, his dad was a player actually. His dad played for um, Matt Will, Hill, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Played for Wolves, Bristol City, left sided centre half. Loved to get stuck in, and James is very much of the the same mould. Um, he's more, more right sided, isn't he, Keith? Yeah, the yeah, right sided. Made... Yeah, but really, really tough tackling and strong physical. I think he's suited to the Premier League. I was, I was actually talking to his, his agent earlier on today, and he's excited. He's really looking forward to. It. I mean, listen, I've got the list here of the teams who tried to sign him, and if you think Garan Kual had options, I mean, the list that he had. I mean, these are the offers. The offers came in for him from from Portsmouth, Charlton, Sheffield Wednesday. Aberdeen, Aberdeen put an offer in. Then, okay. then Birmingham tried to sign him, I think, permanently, but they've decided to stay at uh, Bournemouth for a bit longer. Other teams who said that they were interested but never came up with an offer but were sniffing around were championship sides Wigan, Blackpool, Stoke, Rotherham, and Birmingham is the is the other one. So and 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 I've got here. There's there's quite a few more that he's not even listed. So these were all the teams that were trying to bring him in this month. Okay. And Hearts, like Garan Kual, have however they've done it, have sold the club well enough that that's where uh, where he wants to go now. One of the other players who's um, not long, long ago signed for Hearts shares the same agent as as James Hill, and I think that probably probably helped things, but. I just think he who's, wants who's that, Keith? Um, the same Snoddy's agent. Oh, Snoddy. Okay. Yeah, but I think he, I think he just wanted to try something a little bit different. Um, and obviously, he's heard good things from from Snodgrass and from others that Hearts are a, a club that are evolving and moving upwards. And listen, I think he's, I think he's going to do. I'm always very positive about new signings, but I think he's going to fit in perfectly to Scottish football. Garan Kual, to me, I'm just not sure he looks like a real talent, but it's just because he's so young, it's so hard to tell. But I think from what Hill has done in the game so far and what I know of him, I think he's going to fit in seamlessly to that to that defence. Um, with obviously the number the number of injuries there, I'm looking forward to seeing how how well he'll get on. But for Hearts to have beaten off competition from all those clubs says everything about the direction that they're going in. Callum Patterson is another name that has been mentioned. We know that there have been talks that Hearts are very keen on bringing him back up the road to Tyne Castle. Played very briefly against Newcastle, came on just the last couple of minutes in that Sheffield Wednesday win. Is that one that you've heard much about? Yeah, I just had a little bit of an update on that before I came on there. I, I mean, when I say an update, not that much has moved. They're, st- they're still locked in discussions. Um, I think Robbie was, Robbie Nielsen was asked about it at his news conference today, wasn't he? And I think he, he confirmed that talks were taking place. Um, obviously, Hearts want to bring him in now. His contract's up at the end of the season. Um, it sounds as though that should get done um, this month. I did say, I said, look, it's, it's, it's a bit of a strange one, um, him coming in and... Uh, 
and being another striker. You know, you've got you've also got Shanklin there. You've got is Humphreys okay at the moment? I don't know if he's, has he got an injury. Maybe he's, or? he's he's back. He's back. He's I don't think they're bringing him in as a striker. I, no, I, I they're think not. They're bringing him in as a right-sided yeah. kind of so wing back, yeah, right midfield. Not. So that's what that you just stole my thunder there. That's what I was going to say. So I asked. I said, "Look, is, are you bringing him another striker?" Because not only see him playing like right, right, yeah, like you say, right wing back, where where ironically kind of played for Hearts before he left, didn't he? I remember that. You know, right back, right, right mid. Because the other thing is, Keith are talking about they'll only let him go um, this month if they can sign a replacement. Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. So that's yeah. they'll, they'll, they'll get they'll get they'll get someone in. And he wants to come back. I just can't believe he's only 28. I thought I thought he was older <laughs> than that because he's been around for a long time. But I remember him coming through and you know in the in the administration years and Hearts didn't have any, you know, you know, physical players to play up front and they had to play him up and he was quite he was quite um sort of slight back then. But I mean he hasn't half filled out over the years and yeah. you know he was his, 17 when he first came through, which is why <laughs> he's only 28 still there. Yeah. His, uh, but his I mean what you know he's been he's had some great experience at Cardiff and then Sheffield Wednesday. I've spoke to a couple of Sheffield Wednesday fans over the last few days, and I think they're quite disappointed to, to see him go because they just like his his attitude um, and what he's like. And for Hearts to get him back in his prime at twenty eight looks to me another great bit of business. And interesting, Mark, as you say that that they're going to play him in that wide right position because I just instantly thought of him as a striker. But how good will it be for Hearts to have someone as physically imposing as that down the right hand side? Well, that's the other thing, because Michael Smith's not going to last forever. Mm-hmm. I think Matty Atkinson's not a bad option, obviously, if they got a bid in for him. I'm sure they'd be interested in that. But he's a big threat from set plays as well. Yeah. And when you've got the delivery, I mean, you, we'll speak, um, I know you've got kind of other things, um, other podcasts that, that you have to go on tonight. We're going to speak later on about St Mirren. And you've got the delivery of Robert Snodgrass, who scored in that game. His deliveries from set plays are, are they're inch perfect at times, and you've got someone like Callum Patterson, but what it does, it's just, it's another player for the opposition to worry about, whether it's Kai Rolls, because you've got to have an order. The opposition's got to have an order of right. The best guy in the air's got to pick up Kai Rolls, or the second best guy's got to pick up whoever. And, and Callum Patterson's right up there as well, so if he's not picked up, he'll, I mean, how many goals, Lloyd? Not specifically, but he scored plenty with his head when he was at Hearts first time round, did he not, in those five years, Lonnie? Yeah, it was one of his main strengths, uh, was his ability in the air. And he's one of those that he's, he's that if you go on his Wikipedia page, yeah, I, I was out of interest. I want to see what they currently have as his position. And he is one of the few people in there that just says utility, utility player, player, which is what Ryan McGowan sometimes claims he is, but he's nowhere near the, yeah, he's nowhere near the Callum he's... Patterson levels of right back, <laughs> right midfield, center midfield, center forward. Um, so just a whole different dimension. And then Keith's right, you know, if we can get him back in his prime with all that experience, you know, more than 200 games south of the border, some of them in the Premier League, plenty in the Championship, obviously League One more recently, it would be a great bit of business. You mentioned Snodgrass there. Um, another good bit of business, you know, Mark and I will get into the St. Mirren Hearts game at the weekend, but he's obviously impressed quite a bit already. 35 now, but a contract on the table we hear for him and that's another bit of good business isn't it for Hearts bringing him in and I think he's although I was pleased with the signing he's actually done a lot more um, he's far exceeded my expectations for how good he would be yeah, I mean, I don't know what's I don't know what's um, come out up in Scotland. I, I know you said there is a contract on the table. I'm not too sure if that's just a little bit ahead. Um, my my understanding of the situation, I've into, I'm, I'm good friends with his agent and haven't spoken to him today. Um, some talks anyway, talks. Anyway. Yeah, I think I think they're expecting an offer next week. Okay. So 
Um, I think they're I think they're hoping for a two year deal. I think um, Snodgrass and his and his agent are hoping for a two year deal. Might be a one year deal, but listen, they're really he's loving it. He's absolutely loving it there. Um, loves being back up up the road. I think he's been he's been playing more central, isn't he? Like a kind of like yes. field. And he, although he's not, although he's kind deep of line playmaker, I would yeah. say. Yeah, and his pace is his pace isn't there, but anymore. I mean, he was never that quick anyway, Snoddy. To be no. he was quick, quick over five yards, but he um he was never like going to be racing past someone. But he just his ball retention, just you know the way, he just drop a shoulder by by a yard of space, and you know the good news is Hearts want to keep him. Um, and he wants to stay, and I think a, a resolution will be fairly easily achieved. It will just be whether it will just be whether it's a year with an option or, or, or two years. Um, but I think I think I think you'll get some confirmation, some clarity on that on that next week. But listen, like like Callum Patterson as well, Snoddy, they're both they're just good characters, a good solid characters who just like improve the feeling around the place, don't they? Like, just big big, mm. imposing characters in the dressing room, and I think that just yeah. opens well for hearts moving forward. The reason this came out, Keith, is because Robbie Nielsen gave a quote at the press conference prior to the St Mirren game last week mm-hmm. saying about Snodgrass, he was he was asked, is, is there any chance of him staying? What's the latest? Nielsen said, I've spoken to him about it. We had a chat about things. Both of us are happy, so it's just a case of putting something together for him. There are other things we are working on at the moment. I would expect Snodgrass, I either during the transfer window or just after it closes, we'll try and get something done. So that was Robbie. Yeah, so here's me thinking I'm bringing you some news, but Robbie's obviously beating me to the chase last week. <laughs> no, it, it kind of it, it moved on a little bit at the start of the week because obviously someone's spoken to Snodgrass and he's like, oh, it's political, yeah. So it's basically like Robert Snodgrass at 34. Of course he's wanting a two. Hearts have got to decide, is he worth the two? I, I, I mean, he's... If you're Robert Snodgrass, you you would sign a two if the terms were 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 acceptable. Hearts, I don't know, might offer one plus one. Always think that's a bit kind of. But if it's an incentive based one, if you play and you meet all these terms, then it automatically kicks in. Mm. That might be the way forward because right now he's the heartbeat of that team in the middle of the park. Do, do, do you think, Mark, when next season, when you know Benny comes back in there, do you think Snodgrass? Do you think he stays in the centre or do you think? He yeah, would yeah. Right? You think so? Yeah. I tell- I, t- I tell you who I think might be at risk, and it'll be interesting to get Laurie's thoughts on this as well. I think Cammy Devlin might be at risk um, to play week in, week out. I think it gives you an option to to go three in there um, if you play a back four, but you're not dropping Snodgrass. I mean, look, what might happen next year is, in fact, what probably will happen next year when Beningamy's fit again. Robert Snodgrass has probably been as good as he's been because he didn't have all that travel in Europe. He didn't play the Saturday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday. So I would expect Laurie, if if hopefully Robert Snodgrass signs a new deal and Benny's fit, I think you'll you'll just see squad management. Robert's not going to play yeah. all the games. He'll probably play the most important games. Um, and and that's the other thing as well. Benny's got to prove that he's coming back the way he was and he's as good as he was. Um, because yeah. right now, I mean, it's pretty much Devlin and Snodgrass making that position their own. Yeah, I think that's the the thing, especially if we're playing. A, a two in the in the midfield. If we're in a game where Hearts are expected to have most of the ball, having Benny Beningami and Cammy Devlin in there sometimes counterproductive because you got two ball winners effectively. I think what Robert Snodgrass offers is that that creativity, that composure on the ball, eye for a pass, and I like the combination of him and Devlin in the same way that I would like a combination. I think of him and Benny Beningami. Um, they complement each other quite well because at the moment, you know, Devlin, we've said before. Your criticism of Devlin would be on the ball. Um, his passing can be off some games. He's not got that creative side of it. 
But off off the ball, he he'll run himself into the ground. He'll close players down. He'll put tackles in. Snodgrass doesn't have those legs, so they complement complement each other quite well. They do because yes. Snodgrass will get his foot on the ball, keep it composed, play the right passes, and get Hearts forward in a creative sense. So when they're out of possession, you want Cammy Devlin to do the hard work. So yeah, I think it's right. You just want a a strong squad, and if Hearts are going to be playing in Europe again next season, hopefully also in group stage football, then we need a big squad. We'll need more than one ball winner and we'll need more than one creative player as well. Um, So I think, yeah, all very positive and and hopefully um, a deal can be reached because he's been a very, very positive signing for Hart since he's arrived. Okay, moving on. Next up. Moving on. um, we won't we won't get to the submitting game yet. Let's save that. We know that Keith has some other commitments he needs to get to. He's a busy guy, even going on in Newcastle, Sky Sports. No, there's another, there's another ah, podcast okay. that's actually willing to pay him. So that's why. <laughs> ah, right, okay. Let's be honest. Yeah. Come on. Um, uh, yeah, anyway. Let's no move on from that. No <laughs> what I do have... So we'll we'll let Keith Keith off um, with the submitting review and preview, the double header. However... I have prepared a quiz. We like to do a quiz every now and again on this podcast, Keith. And I try and keep it relevant, themed to the person who's on or something recent with what's going on with hearts. So this week I have a Northeast themed hearts quiz. I'm nervous. I'm actually nervous. nervous. Okay. I mean, it's, it's very random. The things it's not necessarily since you've been covering football in the Northeast. So, uh, yeah, I'll ask you. And then I'll tell you what, Mark can be your backup. Um, so if you're not sure, we'll maybe nice team come in. you can you can bring me in if you uh, if you think I'll know what if you want a friend. <laughs> oh yeah, something like that. So I've got ten questions. So let's let's crack on with this. Let's see how you get on. Um, so Mark, do you want me to just do an answer for each question or save them yeah. till the end? Yeah, okay. no, I'll do answer for each question. Okay, right. Question one: Hearts last played Newcastle United in a preseason friendly in July 2017. It ended. 2-1 Newcastle. Can you name the goal scorers? There was obviously the Hearts goal scorer and one player scored both you know, goals for Newcastle. Do you know what? Do you know what I do remember about that game? I remember the fact that the, st- the stand wasn't up. Yeah, still being still being built the new main stand. Um, God, that's a that's a tough one that. Um right. So 2-1 Newcastle. Let me think. Let me think. Was it was it a striker who scored the two goals? It was a striker who scored the two goals for Newcastle, yes. 2017. I was at the game, you know. I was at oh, I'm giving you clues and you were, you were actually there. 10,000 10, fans at Tynecastle for that one. Willie Collin was ref as Ian Cathro went up against Rafa Benitez. Oh, it was Keith Cathro, wasn't it? Right, okay, right, that was good. That was nice. So Benitez is in charge. By your time here, Michael right, Smith okay. is the only remaining Hearts player from the Hearts <laughs> team that day. Okay, Michael Smith. <laughs> I'm going to go for Newcastle 2017 I'm going to go this is just a guess, it's between two but I'm going to go Dwight Gale correct Yes. don't know if you'll get the Hearts one it was either, it was either Gale or I was either going to go Gale or, per, or Iose Perez the Hearts goal scorer, nah, no chance can't remember do you remember Mark? Come on, really? <laughs> we've got we've got the goal scorer for Newcastle, and he's the Newcastle guy. I think he gets. Fine, it was Jamie Walker. Jamie Walker okay, scored. Well done, Jamie. 
Okay. Um, Can you get a bing like you normally give for family? Fortune I'll see if I've got time when I edit. Um, that was an utter. That was an utter guess. That by the way. To be fair, it's probably the only player I would have guessed as well because um, I remember him scoring a few goals for Newcastle around that time. Right. Question two: In what competition was the only competitive? Let's let's say it wasn't a friendly anyway. Competitive, maybe pushing it. Um, was the only competitive meeting of Hearts and Newcastle. Oh, come on, Keith, you should get this. Before you were born. So, Fairs Cup? No. Nope. nope. I mean, I'm, I'm pushing it saying competitive, but it, it wasn't was. a friendly. No, yeah, I know, was. I know. but it was. No, I don't know. Texaco Cup. Come on, guys. Yes, the two. Oh, I wasn't alive either, son, but I know my history. Texaco Cup 1971 first round. Hearts won 1-0 at Tynecastle before Newcastle won 2-1 at St. James's in the return game. It went to penalty kicks and Newcastle won 4-3. 17,500 at Tynecastle and 24,000 at St. James's wow. for St. James for those. So. Was quite, it was quite a big tournament. Um, yeah, I've heard, I, have, I have heard of it. I just I couldn't have told you. It was kind of before my time. You know, Barb's got to the final against Wolverhampton Wanderers, I think, the season before. Um, but look, it was cross-border, playing against bigger sides. Yeah, it was, it was decent. Then they had the, do you remember the Anglo-Scottish Cup um, that they had? And then the Anglo-Italian. Anyway, right, my girlfriend, two. my girlfriend keeps telling me to stop looking back, so that's that's the thing. Are you not married to her yet? Come on, son, get the finger out. She says, come on, spend more time looking forward. Stop looking back all the time. So there you go. I've forgotten about the Texaco Cup. Beyonce, son, if you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. Come on. Um, Next question. Don't you start. Don't you start. Exactly. That's what well, wait a minute. You as well done, son. Come on, son. The pair of you. It only took right. me 12 years, so get a move on. Question three. Which former Newcastle player did Hearts sign in 2017? Is he still at the club? He is not. He went on to make 42 appearances for Hearts. Made a few more than that for Newcastle, though. 2017. Um, 2017. Um, He's a defender. Or was a defender. Maybe. I mean, uh, do we just tell you the name? Mm. <laughs> I mean, no, hang on. No, hang on. Right. I remember 2017, they allowed a few to go out to Rangers. And they allowed like Mbabu and a few of those guys around about I didn't that say time. it was alone. I just said, which former Newcastle player did Hart sign in 2017? Ah, oh, right. Okay. Defender. 42 appearances for Hearts. Was he a former... Oh, yeah. Can you give me another club that he played for? Oh, jeez. He played for Hearts when he was 60. It's like he had grey hair. Come on, son. <laughs> Northern <laughs> Irish. He played for four oh, yeah. as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Come Aaron, on. Aaron, Aaron Hughes. Aaron Hughes. I didn't think you need too many clues because I think it was... Three for three. Anyway. three for three. Sorry. That's all that matters. Living in the moment. Oh, yeah. See, almost 300 appearances for Newcastle. Aaron Hughes. Hard, yes. I wish you gave me the option not to do this quiz as well. What was I thinking? Ah, you could have <laughs> bowed out. Yeah. Um, right. Number Question four. Can you name the no. Sunderland-born midfield... See, I thought the Aaron Hughes one was a really simple one. Can you name the Sunderland-born midfielder and yeah. fan who uh, was born in 1973 who played for Newcastle United 
later played for Hearts oh, and God. went on to be a coach at Hibs. So Sunderland born, grew up a Sunderland fan, played for Newcastle, Come on. played for Hearts and Come on, Keith. coach at Hibs. Right. Uh, right, good lad. Blonde, playmaker. Oh, just going to try to spell it was, was he a Macam? Like, was he actually a proper Sunderland? Or was he... Yeah, he was, yeah. He was born in Sunderland. Uh, what year did he play for Hearts, roughly? Nine, he came after we won the Cup, didn't he? Yes. I mean, Keith has won a lot of clues here. The Come on, son. So played Newcastle 91 to 92, Hearts 98 to 2001, and in 2015 he joined Hibs as a coach. Sunderland born. Sunderland born and grew up a Sunderland fan, if the internet is telling me correctly. Why did I, I had Phil Stamm in my head, that's not he was Middlesbrough. Um, I'm struggling, guys. Uh, phone a friend. His younger brother. Appeared in Biker Grove for two years. <laughs> Did he? I didn't know that. Yes. Please, please tell me that's a line that. No, no, no. Oh, it's I know. You. Spuggy. No, Spuggy. Really? Uh, it um, rhymes with it rhymes with G. Quakel. What? Oh, Lee Maker. Thank you. <laughs> Jeez. I'm not giving that away. Hey, I would never, oh. I would never have known he was born in Sunderland. Really? Let me have a look. It's not going to change. Are you sure? Oh. I, I mean, the internet told me he was born in Sunderland, grew yeah, up a Sunderland right. fan. You're right. Of course, he played Libby as well, didn't he? Was he a coach at Hibs? Didn't know that. Yeah, he was. Four for four. We're doing well. Sorry, guys. I'm. This is All right. 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 So right. Team effort, son. Team effort. Um, you know, know the answers, though. <laughs> I don't know the answers. <laughs> No, oh, he, yeah. Mark doesn't. Mark oh, doesn't know yeah. the answers beforehand. Oh, only just, me, only right. myself. Jesus, um, Mark, Mark didn't even know I was going to do this. I just threw, no. it, threw it together. <laughs> okay. okay, question five. Hearts last played Middlesbrough in a friendly in July two thousand and five. Can you name the goal scorers from that game? It was a one-one draw in front of fifteen thousand. Uh, um, yes. Romanov excited Tinkers. Yes. Oh, I remember that. I do remember that actually. Yeah, I'm glad you've reminded me with that. So I think the heart scorer right was right. I remember they all made their debut, didn't they? Like Bednar and all these guys. Was a trialist. Yep. Bednar was a trialist, was he? Yep. Yeah, loads of them were trialists that they day. Took off at half time, they took him off at half-time, Bednar, because they were shit-scared that there were scouts they, they, in the stand going, oh, we'll have him. Ah. Yeah. Um, Bednar and Scatchel. So I was at that game. I remember I actually been at that game. Um, Didn't help with the other questions, to be fair. So <laughs> <laughs> I'll be honest, Laurie, I can't remember who scored. Is that the question? So, who scored the hardest so goal? I, so I think I'm going to go for... So obviously, was it Bednar who scored? No, it wasn't. I don't know who scored. Was it one of the old? Was it one of the old guard? Um, was it, I mean, was it not the, when I say the old guard, like was it one? It wasn't one of the new signings or anything. It wasn't one of the new signings, no. So one of the set uh, was it? I feel like it might have been. I feel like it was from a court. Was it? It was it maybe Elvis or Webster. It was Andy Webster. I'll give you that one. Former Scarves Around the Funnel guest, Andy Webster, scored the equaliser five minutes after Middlesbrough had gone ahead through a penalty kick scored by... See, I remember this game really well because it was such a I big... I commentated friend. on it, but I just, oh. the, the thing was just Bednar and Postbacil. That's, and and that's, Simon... that's what I remember from the game. Was... Yeah, Simon Hunt with his, his, three, his three checks coming in and... 
Did we not have a... Was there not a boy that played down at Hull for Hearts? Sebastian Schemmel as he well. as well, but he, wasn't, no but he wasn't the goal scorer for Middlesbrough, though. Was it You're getting annoyed now, aren't you? Uh, no, it was Yakubu who scored from the yeah. penalty spot. Yeah. Um, okay. Middlesbrough side that had the likes of Ray Parler, Gareth Southgate, Mark Viduka. Um, this is getting out of hand now. You're okay. asking questions that are not That's one of my memories. He did. Um, yeah, didn't score though. Okay, half a point. Question six. Um, Hearts played Sunderland in a friendly at Tynecastle. In 2003, one of the Hearts goal scorers that day in a 2-2 draw was born in the northeast of England. Can you name him? Come on, sir. You've already mentioned him. I've said him already. Stampy. Well done, yes. Phil Stamp scored. So did Mark DeVries. So Hearts were leading 2-0. And then Sean Thornton came on, scored a double in the second half and level things up for Sunderland. But yes, of course, Phil Stamp scored in that one. 2-2 draw. Well done. Question seven. In the same game in 2003, there was a future Hearts player who started for Sunderland. Who was that? What a question that is. A future Hearts player start for Sunderland. And that's a harder one, so I'll say it was a striker. Oh... Scored the winner in the derby in two thousand New Year's Day 2011, oh, I think. Okay. He might have got this one. You didn't have to spell out that much. Say you that again, sorry. That. No, I'm not. Got to listen. Had to be I assume it's him. 2003, a 22-year-old striker at the time started. Oh, yeah, yeah. Elliot. Stephen no. Elliot. No. Scottish. Scottish. Yeah. Scottish. Yeah, so. for, oh, Kevin Kyle. Yeah, yes. Yeah, Kevin Kyle started with Marcus Stewart. They were, they, were the same time, they were the same time, those guys, though. Weren't they? You let me yeah, but... <laughs> Elliot and Kyle, they played together. Eight out of eight, clearly. Okay, whatever. Eight and a half, eight and a half out of eight. Hopefully get this one. Uh, Hearts last played uh, one of the one of the Northeast teams in a friendly. That was in July 2021 when they met Sunderland. Who scored both uh, Sunderland goals boo. in a 2 0 win? Twenty say like what year was it 2021? That would have been yes. year and a half ago. God right. Um is he Scottish? No, but Well he, he is, but he's not. Yeah, yes, yeah. <laughs> this is the guy I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. So have you got have you actually got it? I remember I remember the game. I remember Husrev Muzumic scoring for Hearts in late 80s in, against Sunderland as well. He's a player no, who... But he's not, as in what you're trying to say is he should have, he should have played for Scotland, but he chose elsewhere. Aye, he went to... So yes. and is, is he, he went, is he went across the sea. Is he currently... Is he currently... <laughs> he's currently back in Edinburgh. Still playing in Edinburgh, yeah. <laughs> but not for us. McGeady. Yes, Aidan McGeady scored both goals, one of them from the spot. Penalty, yeah. 2-0 Sunderland win at Tynecastle. I remember that one was a cracker, was it not? <clears throat> Can't just remember. I assume it was the second one because the, the penalty. Yeah, the first one was a penalty. <laughs> what a cracking penalty scored. <laughs> Which, okay, question nine. Which former heart striker did Middlesbrough sign in 2021 for a reported fee oh, of yes. almost £1 million? Pounds? The big lad, come on. 
You can get this. You're going on about as though it's a massive signing. A reported fee of almost one million. Former Hearts. Oh, son, just, hey, this is me Saudi back Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> the, hard sell on, hard sell on from that <laughs> deal made up most of our transfer income in the latest <laughs> accounts. <laughs> and it was only about what a third of that or something. It was like a twenty or thirty percent sell on a couple hundred grand. Anyway, yeah. Okay, well, let's not mention the fee. Um, which which former hard striker did Middlesbrough sign? Big striker. Come on, you can get this. Why? I mean, why? When I'm just you're saying big striker, and all I'm thinking is Ross Stewart. I know he never played him. Obviously, I don't know why I just can't get him out of my head. Um, Keith has definitely spent too much time being a Newcastle fan these days, or whoever. Who, he's, who'd they get him from? Laurie was it Wickham? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. I know. As soon as you said that, like, by the way, he was he was he was awful down here. <laughs> he was. <laughs> He was wow. some of the some of the things I heard um, Neil, Neil Warnock say about. Him. <laughs> anyway, I better not go there. Uchi Ekpiezu. Yes, Hart sold him to Wickham Wanderers in 2020 for 300,000 pounds, and he moved to Middlesbrough a year later. Then so many, so many Cardiff trees. on loan, and yeah, now he's in Turkey with Konyaspor. Was that where yeah. he ended up? Yeah. I don't think he was. I think the championship was above above him. To be honest with you, I think he was, and he did all right for Hearts as well, did he not? Uh, started okay, um, was pretty useless by the time we got rid of him. But there you go. Um, okay, question number ten. This is a bit more obscure. obscure so, which what, a bit player... more obscure? Have you have you heard the other ones? <laughs> which which player did Hearts loan to Middlesbrough in twenty sixteen? They loaned a player to Middlesbrough in 2016, but he would never play for the Middlesbrough senior side. Oh, right. So I was there. Uh, what was the reason for not playing? Just injury or? A very strange deal. Um, a younger player who had oh. um, ideas above his station, some said. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, and you're on your own. I can't help you with this one because I can't hear you. Because I remember actually talking about the time and people were going, "What? That's oh yeah." Um, he now plays defender, for Dundee. Yeah. He now plays defender. for Dundee. He now plays for yep. Dundee. Oh, I remember that actually. Um, he had a very strange um, yeah, ball from he's... looking to move from Hearts to bigger uh, team to McGee. That's correct. Jordan McGee, who went from wow trying to get a bigger deal, offers in from English weird. sides, to ending up getting released and joining Falkirk. Yeah, it was weird. He came down. He came down, and um, I think he got an injury or something. I remember people asking about, it and I was like, "This guy must be like the real deal." And then it just for whatever reason that yeah, it was a strange one. That really, really strange one. And then obviously just failed to kick on after that. But um, yeah, I do remember God. So many things that are just you would have forgotten about. I mean, I was here at 2016. I covered. I think I was down there when he signed, and I was telling everyone, "Oh, this is what this is one of the hot prospects." But there we go. Well, there you go. I, actually, Falkirk paid some money for him. They actually bought him. But anyway, that's that. That doesn't matter. I bet you wish you just skipped the quiz and left now, don't you? I'm stressed. I'm so stressed. <laughs> yeah, we can get paid somewhere else. I'm going to go back on it. I'm going to go on this Newcastle podcast and start talking about Uchi Ekpiezu and Jordan McGee. <laughs> well. <laughs> It's been a pleasure, Keith. Thank you for joining. Thank you for chatting about the, the Hearts transfers. Some confirmed, some not yet to be confirmed, but hopefully we'll see some yeah. more 
sounds good. in the next few sounds, days. Sounds pretty promising from 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 what I'm hearing, and you know, it sounds like it sounds good days to be a, a heart supporter. I know obviously it's been a tough start to the season with the injuries and stuff, but it certainly looks like there's some sort of light at the end of the tunnel now. Anyway, so um, yeah, looking forward to coming up, hoping to be up for the game on on Friday. So, do you even uh, know how good Tyne Castle still I'd have to meet you at the yeah, station? Okay. Sure. Yeah, you say that now that he's been on. You didn't say that at the start, did you? It's a bit, <laughs> bit catty. I've not. <laughs> you know what? I've not been in enough games recently. It's quite hard. You get quite immer- you get quite immersed in things whenever you're working, and it's difficult. You've got three teams to cover as well. It's not like you're just covering Newcastle, you've got Sunderland, yeah. and Middlesbrough, nice. and Blythe, Blythe Spartans. Don't forget about them. Yeah, Mark. Oh, thanks. You've really mellowed, you've mellowed over the years. I appreciate that. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thanks very much, Keith Downey. And we'll, we'll let you get off yes. to... Thanks, guys. All the best. Whatever's next, then we'll speak soon. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Okay, we will move on and we will now talk about St Mirren against Hearts. And since we're since it's the review and it's also the preview, we might as well make them back to back. And given Keith's um, knowledge of of Hearts these days, probably best that he wasn't on to uh, <laughs> to preview this one. I think his mind is definitely in the northeast of England um, at the moment, as, as, it, as it should be. That is his um, job. We'll at least he got the Jordan McGee one. I never got that. I totally forgot. I, about Jordan. I thought that was one of the harder ones. I mean. Considering some of the ones he didn't get, but anyway, um, let's let's not criticize too much. Um, yeah, you got the score this... right. You got the score. When I was listening back to last week, I couldn't remember who you'd picked to score. And when you said, "Oh, I think it'll be, I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be one-one," and I, I thought, did oh. get the score right. But I, Has he picked I, Snodgrass said, hum- I said no, Humphreys. Yeah, I said yeah, Humphreys. So we're still waiting for someone to get the correct score and scorer. Yeah, um, uh, and because. This week will be the 16th time the Hearts have played the same team in consecutive league games. We can do a little doubleheader ourselves now. So let's start with St Mirren against Hearts, the away leg, if you wish, of, of this doubleheader. Looks like a wee strain, curls in, decent effort, this into the middle left corner. That's a really good strike from the free kick from Ryan Strain, curling into the bottom left, past the helpless Sander Clark. And it's first blood submitting. Submitting one. Harton with Lothian nil. Down the line to Snodgrass. Still out on the right. Curls the ball into the box. Not a bad one. Right across the area. Yes! Yes! And it's Robert Snodgrass with his first goal for Hearts. Whipped in from the right-hand side. It evaded everyone and bounces up into the left corner. And Hearts are level. Early in the second half, Robert Snodgrass with a goal. St Mirren won. Hearts won. Okay, so looking at the Hearts team uh, ahead of this game, uh, Stephen Kingsley was still out following concussion. Uh, obviously joining Craig Gordon, Craig Halkett, Liam Boyce, Benny Beningway, Peter Haring, Gary Guy Stephen, etc., etc., etc. Out injured uh, for a Hearts side that went with... A 3-4-3 formation, so they kept the same shape, although when I think people saw the players, they assumed it would be a four, because Xander Clark's in, you've got Michael Smith, you've got Toby Sibbett, you've got Kai Rose, and you've got Alex Cochran. Those are the only defenders such in the team, so I think people thought it would be a back four. But Alan Forrest was brought in, and he was put on the left, so it was Clark and goals, Sibbett, Rose, Cochran, 
in the centre-back positions. Smith right, Alan Forrest left, Devlin Snodgrass middle, middle Shanklin, Janelli, Mackay, the attacking three against the Saints team who are formidable, especially on their home patch. They were unbeaten in nine before this game, winning six of those, including a win against Rangers and also uh, Ranger, uh, sorry, winning against Celtic and Rangers only just managing to get a draw thanks to a late penalty. So a very tough place to go. And I think looking back at this one, and certainly given the halftime change, it's a case of the initial setup was the wrong one for this match, I think. They did their homework, didn't they? What makes hearts tick? Who makes hearts tick? How do we stop them? You get it, Snodgrass. And they knew their game plan was they can have more of the ball, but we put pressure on the conductor of the orchestra, Snodgrass, and, and, it, and it worked. And it was pretty clear at half time that, uh, that changes needed to be made. Yes, I mean... The the way the game started certainly set the tone for the first half. Submitting with a similar shape in a way, but more of a back five out of possession effectively with a very tough centre midfield three of Gogic, O'Hara and Keanu Bacchus, who of course appeared at the World Cup for Australia. And the very physical uh, striking partnership of Maine and Grieve as well. Snodgrass was targeted and it showed you know early on he misplaced a pass which allowed St Mirren in to win a free kick after Devlin fouled Bacchus and the free kick was curled in, this was less than four minutes on the clock, looked like a very good strike from our angle initially down beside the pitch but the replay showed, which we didn't have during commentary, that it had taken quite a big deflection to take it away from Xander Clark but that really set the tone for the half I mean Hearts in the first half had almost 80% possession however, it was the first half that I think St Mirren were the better team in terms of the game plan just worked perfectly. They let Hearts have the ball, they let Hearts knock it around, mainly in their own half or in the middle of the park and they pressed them at the right times and they pressed the right players. They doubled up on Snodgrass at times, forced him into errors, robbed him of possession um, and then they broke quickly and they used their physicality to cause problems and I think at half time um, Robbie Nielsen probably been relieved a chance to to adjust things with the scoreline only 1-0 I think Steve Robinson would have just been pleased that at that time, at that point in the game, it was a case of they'd executed their plan absolutely perfectly. And this is a prime example of there's different ways to play a football game and possession in itself doesn't mean an awful lot. It's one of the things that annoys me as a commentator and you get a lot of stats that appear on the screen. And when you're doing TV commentary, I don't always understand commentators that refer the viewer to something that they can see. But one of the things that usually pops up is is possession. What they've started to do with La Liga is, is quality of possession or areas of possession or mm-hmm. yeah. possession actually means something because 70% of possession, I mean, you could just have your, your three centre-backs kicking it about and the opposition just in deck chairs in the opposite half making no interest in, in coming forward. So you've got 100% possession. It's where the possession was and ultimately what you did with it. And I know we'll get on to what happened later in the game, but I just felt there was a tendency for Hearts to try and overplay at times, especially even in the second half when things were better. It was like we're trying to score a perfect goal. At least we got into the box a lot more in the second half. But I just thought there's maybe one, two touches too many, especially in that second half when we had the wind behind us. But it was the first half that we... They'd done their homework on us because they knew that Snodgrass actually ruled the roost 
basically, against Hibernian and was outstanding against St. Johnston. So what do you do? Well, okay, let's let's stop it at source. And, and that's what they were able to do. What did we do to stop them from maintaining the momentum that they'd had from, from their games at home? Look, we had a better side than them, but the players that we've got, but that means nothing. And possession means nothing, unless it's actually competent possession that leads to something. We had a lot of of, you can't call it negative possession. Possession is not negative because you'd rather have the ball than than not. But it was possessions for possession's sake. A lot of that yeah. was the first half. Yeah, I think most of it would have been the back three and Sander Clark and then Snodgrass dropping deep for a touch or whatever, then back into the back three, maybe out to the, the wing backs and back again. It's like the clips you see of, was it Denmark in 92 before the, was it pre... Was that pre part of the last pass? game? Was it pre-back pass where they just kept Giving it to the goalkeeper, waiting, picking up, giving it to the defender, back to the goalkeeper. Was that not the game up. that the, a certain result would have done for them to get through, or something like that? But I just we, there was just a lack of pace to our game. Yeah, it, we played right into their game plan. Um, yeah. But to be fair, so at the break, you're one 0 down. St. Mirren game plan working perfectly. Many will say Robbie should have changed it earlier, and I understand that. I think it was pretty clear from watching, you know, 10, 15 minutes into that game we were going to have to change something. It just wasn't going to work the way we're doing it. Forrest out in the left wing back role. I think he has covered there before for Livingston, but it just the whole balance of the team wasn't working. Um, so he changed it. So back four, when they came out for the second half, Michael Smith right, Cochrane left, Sibic alongside Rolls in the centre. Forrest moved to the right, and we just looked more comfortable. St. Minnan did start the first couple of minutes quite well in the second half, but from then on in, the hearts very much got a grip of the game, and Snodgrass levelled in the 49th minute. Um, one of these where he's not necessarily going for goal, but if you put that kind of cross into the box, so you whip it in so it's bouncing up in the back post area, it's so difficult to defend against because, yes, you maybe have to get a touch on it, but it just takes one touch to then direct to the other side of the goal. So the goalkeeper can't go for it immediately because if an attacker then nods it to the centre of the goal or to the right, then he's completely out of position. Hard for defenders to get onto it because, again, they could help it on its way into the goal. Um, so just a terrific delivery and so hard to defend against. And Robert Snodgrass had probably his poorest game for Hearts on Saturday, but he never hides. And that's a quality he can bring, even if he's not having his best game. It's kind of similar to Scatchell, wasn't it? It didn't matter if he was quiet or he wasn't having a great game. The quality of that left foot can still deliver something. Yes, yeah, Scatch was a little bit different in that it was, it was always a concern for the opponent if he wasn't in a game because you're like, shit, he's not done anything. You just expected him to be there. I, I understand what you're saying. Um, but he needed help, Snodgrass. I mean, if you've got two on one, if you're double teaming Snodgrass, someone else should be free. So it's up to others to get closer to him to show for the ball. But I know, I know, I mean, at half time, I'd, I said, right, we've got to make a change. Uh, I suggested Humphreys. Uh, maybe coming on for Janelli, but Barry McKay had a poor first half. You couldn't make change. He did. He made a big change at halftime by going to a back four just to give us more of a foothold in the game. Because I'll, I'll be honest, before I think you sent me a message, but when I first got the team um, from the Hearts Twitter account, I wondered if it might be Michael Smith, um, Toby Civic, and Kai Rolls as a back three with Cochrane at left wing back and Forrest at at right wing back, and then when you messaged and said that it was Forrest at left wing back, I kind of thought, okay, I haven't seen enough of them to to know where they're kind of if they're strong on either flank. 
Um, I mean, Gogic is is Gogic. He he is what he is. He's a destroyer in the middle of the park, but he's pretty good at at what he does. But when we changed and Snodgrass got a bit more support, um, and he went out to the left hand side, and that that goal isn't scored without the weather conditions. That's the other thing as well, because yeah. Hearts had the win to their advantage. That ball starts as if it's aiming for the penalty spot, and it we got a bit fortunate, but so did they with their goal. But it, I mean, he just has a delivery that more often than not, it's going to it's going to threaten either the opposition goalkeeper or the opposition defenders. And yeah, more than happy when when that went in, and and then you just thought, right, can Hearts kick on from there? Yeah, and they were the better team in the second half, albeit Submarin still had that threat on the break. There was the late red card for Marcus Fraser, which was a bit of a bizarre moment. Um, I, I think he is hurdling his own player initially, but at the same time, he definitely had an opportunity to not go in like he did. Um, it probably looks worse than it is. It looks really bad, but it didn't need the time taken to know it was a red card. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 not like he's purely jumping to make that tackle. He is hurdling his teammate, but at the same time, um, it's very dangerous, and he knows the Hearts player's there, and he doesn't really make an attempt to to stop things. Um, you know, he's looking down at him. So I think it's a red card. It's a silly one. It didn't really impact the game too much. That was 95th minute by the time the red card got given. Uh, it's, it's one of these games where I think, yes, Hearts weren't at their best. Um, at the same time, in the second half, they looked like the side more likely to win it, albeit they didn't overly test the St. Minnan goalkeeper. However, this is a very tough place to go. And I think it shows quite a bit about the character of the team to not be at your best in a game like that. And to still dig out a 1-1 draw. Not too long ago, that would have been a game that after that first goal had gone in, there would have been no chance Hearts were getting Probably back into that it. Game. And that's a good point. I think with the form that we're in right now comes higher expectations from supporters. And there was a fair bit of anger at halftime. Like, come on, how, how do you do what you did against Hibs? How do you do what you did against St. Johnston? And in the games that, that we've we've won that against Kilmarnock at home and, and even in spells against Dundee United, and then produce that pile of steaming turd in the first half. But consistency is very difficult. And Newcastle were chastised a few weeks ago when they went to Arsenal and they totally ripped up what they normally do. And they they played to frustrate. They they, they were biting and scratching and, and all the nasty stuff and the dirty stuff and all that. Within within reason, of course. But people were still saying, oh, do they not want to win the league? Like, scratching well, within reason. Yeah, well, kind of, yes. As long as it's... Yeah. <laughs> but th- they changed it. And, and you can't... If a team allows you to play, you make the most of it. If you've got better players than them, more often than not, you're going to win the game. But it's not a surprise. This is the whole thing. It's not a surprise what St Mirren do. This You watch yeah. any of the games that they've played... As I said last week, X marks the spot more more often than not. It was similar against Rangers. It was like, here, that was just before the World Cup. Here, have the ball. We're okay with you having the ball. And ultimately, it was frustration that led to St Mirren scoring first just after half time. Uh, I think it was a mix up in the Rangers' defence, if I remember rightly. And then against Aberdeen, they went a goal down. That was a crazy game. I remember watching that game on uh, on Christmas Eve, and you thought when Aberdeen went a goal up, oh, I was worried about St Mirren here. And then it was a shit show for for the Aberdeen defence. But they they played in a similar way. Again, they were happy to allow Aberdeen a lot of the ball. Um, and then the Hearts game was 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 pretty similar. So they are what they are. 
I wouldn't say they're anything spectacular or anything special. And ultimately, for for Hearts, it was a good point the way because we were very poor. But as yeah. you say right at the start, to get a point to continue that momentum that Hearts had built up to get that point, having not been at their best, that really that really continues a run of form since the break for the World Cup. And and as we said last week, we wouldn't have taken a point at St Mirren if it was on its own, but if it was part of a bundle that included a win at Tynecastle and it was four points in the two games, we'd probably bitten your hand off for it. So now it's over to them to see if they can get all three points this Friday. Indeed. Perfect timing. Okay, the second leg of this doubleheader with <laughs> St Mirren. Friday night football under the lights at Tynecastle. And St Mirren now, who will be missing Charles Dunn, Ethan Erehon, and Marcus Fraser through suspension, I understand. Um, obviously, Marcus Fraser is suspended. Ethan Erehon's got a second one. And um, what looks like on the, certainly the team news I looked at online, suggests that Charles Dunn has now reached his um, yellow card quota. So whether that's Friday or not, I'm not 100%, but certainly Erdogan's still missing. the same with Porteous, though, that it's, it's two weeks after you pick up Possibly. the last one? Or? Possibly, but that's when I don't know when that one was. But anyway, I'm not, we'll get the team news beforehand. But certainly they're missing a couple of players at the back, uh, or in the central positions anyway. Hearts undefeated in six at home to Saints, five wins and a draw. 2013, the last uh, defeat at home to St Mirren. So a decent run there. And it's a case of, I guess, looking to kick on and play a bit better in this one. Third place and only three points ahead of Aberdeen, albeit with a game um, in hand. Um, St Mirren five behind with a game played less than Hearts. So still an important game. And the complexion of the league can change quite quickly. So this is important, I think, for Hearts to kick on, play much better and get a big three points. So I think... Although our current run of form is good, a point away at St Mirren is fine. If you then lose this game, then that changes things. So the pressure's on every week. Even draw it. Even draw it, I think. I mean, we're in a league that you're better off winning one and losing one. You still get more points than drawing two and remaining unbeaten. I think that there's a few things to this. We obviously have this game in hand over Aberdeen. And if we win it, we're six points clear, having both played the same games. If we win it, we'll increase our goal difference from plus five to whatever. But also, St Mirren have a game in hand on us, which is at Motherwell. So if they were to win it, they could then go above us by winning their game in hand. So there's a big swing possible here. Um, I looked at their away form. It's not good. They've won once away from home in the league this season, and that was at Dundee United, which was comfortable, but Thumped at Ibrox, thumped at uh, Easter Road. They have drawn the last couple, but don't. Ex- I mean, don't expect much difference from from them this weekend or on on Friday. It's up to us to be patient. So I'd love an early goal because if we can get an early goal, then I think it kind of forces them to to change what they do. They were very tight um, against Kilmarnock. They drew nil nil. They conceded first against Livingston. They conceded first against Ross County. So you look at the games that, that they've played away from home this season, the only time they've taken the lead is at Tannadice when, when they won by three goals to nil. So I would expect Hearts to start on the front foot. Um, 
I know we had Keith on earlier talking about the Newcastle Leicester game, and and last night Newcastle started on the front foot, helped hugely by a boisterous home support. So I know we sold out the away end last year. Hopefully, there's another good crowd, if not a sellout crowd, at Town Castle on um, on Friday night. Fans got a big part to play because they don't travel that well. And if the Hearts fans can kind of do what the Newcastle fans did and really be the 12th man, and we can get an early goal, I think uh, I'd be pretty optimistic of Hearts going on to to wrap up all three points if uh, if we can score first. But it might take a while. That's the thing. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be overly confident for this one. Okay. I, I'm going to go with a 3-0 Hearts win. They're going to go to the back four, they're going to readjust the team, Kingsley will be back um, and I'm going to be very optimistic and predict a goal scorer who actually doesn't play for Hearts at the time of recording Garan Kuhl is going to come off the bench and score, score the third 3-0 Hearts You're going with a back four, who misses out? That's a good point if Kingsley's back I suppose Because um, you're already having to take one away anyway and then you're adding an extra centre-back into the mix. Who are your two centre-backs in a back four, then, if you're playing a four? I guess, okay, a back four if Kingsley isn't back. Back three if Kingsley does return, then. Okay, okay. Go with that. Which I think, I think that's right. I think, I mean, he was forced into a change because the three wasn't working and, and only having four in the middle with two in the centre and and one was being swarmed upon. Um so I, I don't think it's a case of he starts with a four because he ended with a four. I think it's a case of personnel. And if Kingsley's back, I agree. Yeah. I think it'll be a three. And that puts um, that puts Cochran to, to left wing back. Um, and that, that just seems... It, it seems better. It seems a better balance. Um, Michael Smith can stay on the right-hand side and, and Devlin and, and Snodgrass in the middle. Uh, and I th- James Hill, I think, will start on the bench. Um, we might see him, depending on how the game goes. Um, Kual, again, if he signs, bench at best. You're not going to suddenly just play a player that's just arrived um, in the city that week and when you're on a run of form that, that you have a bit of momentum. Because if I'm Josh Ginelli or Barry Mackay or or whoever, they're like, hold on a minute here. This kid's just arrived and he's taking my place already. But it, it says to them, hey, if you are as shit as you were in the first half last week, You'll be going off. So yeah, incentive. Uh, uh, keep it as is with regards. If 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 it's Kingsley back, then Kingsley for Forest. Same eleven. Hearts win one nil. Lawrence Shankland. One nil. Okay. Don't Fair star. Enough. I've given you Fair a win. Enough. Fair enough. Why not one nil? Oh, you. I hate when you do that. You wind me. That was one of my New Year's. Don't allow Laurie to wind you up. But, <laughs> Scarves Down the Funnel is sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Uh, just quickly before we go, um, wanted mm-hmm. to say our our thoughts are with the family of young Rudy Abbott, who very sadly passed away. Uh, this was the Young Hearts fan. He was only eight when he passed away after a three-year diagnosis with a rare brain cancer. You might remember um, just last year he was featured 
on some different news outlets. He went to meet the Hearts uh, team and Robbie Nielsen in training um, as he battled uh, bravely against obviously a really awful thing to be facing. Um, having first discovered the brain tumour in August 2020, underwent a series of treatments and therapies, um, travelled over to the States for experimental trial th- um, therapies as well with his family. But sadly, um, he succumbed to the rare brain cancer he was suffering from just recently. We got the news over the weekend, so it was just last week that this took place. So, uh, obviously, awful news for for his family and obviously the Hearts community to, to see that as well. Um, now, I know there's a lot of these minutes applause things that do take place, and I know sometimes there's maybe a bit too many. Um, however, there's uh, a few people have been encouraging Hearts fans to do a minutes applause in the eighth minute this Friday against Simmerin. And I think if there is an occasion that's worthy of obviously standing up and, and showing your appreciation for someone, I think this is one of those moments someone taken from us, you know, before the age of nine. Really sad news. We will be back next week to discuss Heart of Midlothian against Simmerin, the second leg of that big clash. Uh, we do have an Aberdeen game coming up as well pretty shortly, just next week, so we'll hopefully try and squeeze an episode in um, before then. But until next time, thanks for tuning in. Mm-hmm.